This week on The Austin Approach, spring has sprung. Michelle shares memories of St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. And we talk to the TSA about what travelers need to know about the upcoming travel season. Welcome to The Austin Approach. I'm your co-host, Bryce Duby. And I am your co-host, Michelle Lau. Well, Bryce, how are things going for you? It's finally looks like we're heading into some spring weather here in Texas. I'm 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 very happy to see things start to warm back up. If we're being honest, I completely agree with you, hundred percent. It's it's nice that spring is here. We're now into March. Can you believe that we're now well into March? It's great, and I think one of the things I'm most excited for, which is also probably something that's always a good reminder this time of year for travelers, is. Daylight savings time. So for me, it means we get more sunlight in the afternoon, but it also means if you do have a flight, pay attention. Yes, that's a, that's, that's a good way to lead off the podcast, Bryce, yes, pay attention because daylight savings time, uh, we spring forward an hour on March 14th. And that's going to be, yeah, it's the sun's going to start setting at like, I think, 7 p.m., which is, is amazing. Also, Bryce... Did you know that we have two states that do not observe daylight savings time? Really? Which two? Arizona and Hawaii. And the good news is we'll be talking about Hawaii a little bit later on in this podcast, I believe. Oh, yes. I'm I'm very excited for folks who don't know, and we'll get into way more details, but we've got nonstop flights to Hawaii coming to Austin very, very soon. So if you are not necessarily for spring break, but maybe looking forward to some sort of summer trip, uh, we do have those flights coming soon. And we've got some more information to talk about a little bit later. So so I know there's spring break coming up and folks are excited about that. Michelle, what is your favorite thing about this time of year uh, with spring? In all honesty, so I grew up in Ireland. Really? I did. Can you tell? <laughs> and one of the things that I loved about spring uh, there was a few things. One of them was the daffodils. One of them was March. You used to see the little baby lambs. It's lambing season starts. And I used to love it. And of course, how, how can you not talk about spring and March without talking about St. Patrick's Day? Now, I do. I do know this. I'm, I'm, I don't know a ton about Ireland, but I do know that it's not as big a holiday there as it is here in the States. You're right, Bryce. There are differences. I think certainly when I was growing up, there was not the the huge party scene uh, where I where I was. It was more uh, you wore shamrock, you wore fresh shamrock, and you went to church, you went to mass, and you came home. Now the great thing for me when I was a child was I would be celebrating. Well, I don't know if you celebrate Lent, but <laughs> I would be participating in Lent more often than not. I would not be eating chocolate or sweets, or as they say here, candy. And what I would do instead was I'd have a shoebox, and that's where I would keep all my chocolate that I would get throughout Lent. And on St. Patrick's Day, I was allowed a day of scoffing my face with whatever I'd already. It was like a break. You were allowed a pass on St. Patrick's Day. So for me as a kid, St. Patrick's Day was shamrock, mass, and chocolate. And that was awesome. That that sounds awesome even now. I mean, green beer, corned beef, and cabbage, whatever. I mean, I think chocolate's probably is just as good a tradition. I never got into the green beer, I'll be honest. And to be honest, like when I was, by the time I hit 18, because the the age for adult beverages at home was 18, 
I would uh, go actually to England to celebrate St. Patrick's Day because they knew how to ha- how to have much more fun at the time over there. I would fly to Manchester with my best friend Kira, and we would um, hit up downtown Manchester and celebrate St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and oddly enough, a lot of Irish people were there too <laughs> to celebrate with us. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's really neat. Yeah, I've I've only ever been to Ireland for connecting flights. Um, I still have a very very fond memories of going through Shannon in the middle of the night and, and having a Guinness. Um, I was coming back from Iraq and we landed, and it was probably like two or three in the morning at the Shannon airport, and had just spent an extremely long time deployed. And they opened up the little airport bar for us, and normally we weren't allowed to drink during the deployment, but. Our commander was being super nice and we were allowed to have a beer and I sat down in a airport pub in Ireland and had a beer and it was a very kind of magical moment just coming off of everything. And you see, do you know what that is? That is Irish hospitality right there. We'll open the bar for you because you have to have a Guinness. And I, I would argue that it tastes like nectar at the time. It, well, having not had a beer in seven months, it was the one of the best beers I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, St. Patrick's Day is also very important for my brother and sister-in-law because they have a beautiful little cockapoo called Otis, and it's his birthday on St. Patrick's Day. So we have all kinds of new celebrations in our house. <laughs> so I know for a lot of uh, Americans, we, we all kind of say like, oh, I have a family who came over from Ireland, things like that. We know little bits and snippets here and there about some of those cultural things, but around something like St. Patrick's Day, is there any like traditional foods or things like that? Or how, how is it different from that sense? When I first came to the States, people couldn't wait to make me corned beef and cabbage. And I'll be honest with you, I've never, I had never had corned beef and cabbage until I came here. And my mom might argue with that. What we would have was ham shank and cabbage. Do you know what a ham shank is? It's like that the big like shank of ham with the bone in the middle. Oh. And you would kind of, my mom would boil the salt off it for like two days <laughs> and then put it in the oven. And it lasted for ages. It's kind of where Colcannon potatoes came from, right? With the bacon and the cabbage and the potatoes was the, the aftermath of your ham shank and, and cabbage with mashed potatoes. Then you would mash it all up together and it created Colcannon potatoes for like the meal the second day. Oh, I don't think I've ever had that before. That sounds amazing. It is pretty good. One of these days I'm going to get over there. I would love to uh, want to explore more. So it's definitely on my travel list. You must, Bryce. You you have to you have to visit. I, I see in the size of Texas, I can totally understand why people think Ireland is so tiny and quaint. But growing up in Ireland, in the north of Ireland, I'm, I was born in Belfast. And when I was nine, we moved to a beautiful village called Cushendall, uh, which is on the northeast Antrim coast. And um, it's part of the nine glens of Antrim. So when I tell you it's of extreme scenic beauty, it is absolutely gorgeous there. I went to school in a castle. Not a lot of people get to say that. That's very <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so all, all like kind of like a Hogwarts environment. But I'm telling you, Cushendall and uh, Glenariff area is the queen of the glens. It's absolutely fantab- fantabulous. And I would meet people like I have I have family members from that that live extended family members that live in the States and never uh, had come to Ireland and extended family members that were from Canada. And they would come and they'd say, yeah, I'm coming to Ireland for 10 days to cycle around Ireland. (laughs) And you would look at that and go, well, there's a whole lot more than to see. And there genuinely is. It's a it's a beautiful country. It really is green. It does have the 40 shades of green in case anybody's wondering. And uh, and if you're listening in black and white today, I'm, I'm wearing my green 
my green jumper, my green sweater, so that uh, for St. Patrick's Day month. <laughs> <laughs> so you said food, you said uh, going to church, anything else or anything particular like to your family or to yourself? Absolutely. The other thing that was very popular around the area that I grew up, uh, as I said, I grew up in Cushendal and just about maybe 20 or so miles from there was a place called Balamina. And right outside of Balamina is a mountain called Slemish Mountain. Have you ever oh. heard of Slemish? No. <laughs> well, Slemish Mountain is very famous when you talk about St. Patrick. So for those of you that don't know, St. Patrick uh, was actually kidnapped by Irish pirates who knew there were such things uh, and brought from Britain over to uh, over to Ireland where he was sold to a farmer and the farmer made him a shepherd and put him on top of Slemish Mountain to look after the sheep. And so uh, I think St. Patrick spent a number of years all by himself, uh, lonely on Slemish Mountain. So there's actually a pilgrimage where many, many people on St. Patrick's Day or in and around St. Patrick's Day, maybe the weekend of St. Patrick's Day or whatever, will climb up the mountain. Sometimes kids take hard-boiled eggs and paint them yellow and roll them down the hill or roll them up the path to Slemish. So that would also be something that folks around my uh, the area of home where I'm from would uh, would participate in for St. Patrick's Day. So nothing like rolling a hard-boiled egg down a hill. <laughs> it's also very muddy because March is a cold time. Normally it's a wet time. Sometimes it's a snowy time. So you could sled down on a plastic bag, which is what we used to do, or a coal sack, sled, sled down there, or uh, just you'll slip and fall anyway because of the mud. But that was also something fun that we would do that's outside of the norm, maybe. So you said Belfast. I know actually recently here at the airport, uh, there's a local musician, Andrea McGee, uh, who's also from Belfast. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Yes. And I was forwarded her lovely song, uh, The Long, Long Road. Uh, she was on Travel Tunes in February. So just last month. And it, it was it was lovely. It was lovely to hear the accent. It was lovely to hear the song. The song is actually about missing home and choosing to live away from home, which is exactly where I'm at. So it hit a little heartstring for me, no doubt about it. Uh, and I think we're going to share with our listeners about a, a minute or so of, of Andrea's tune. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. We've got a great uh, guest who's going to be joining us to talk a little bit about some of the things you need to know if you are prepping for some spring travel. Um, but right now we're going to leave you with Andrea McGee and Long, Long Road. This is a life I choose And I've a lot to prove Keep my head on right And just stick to the light And continue to move Cause it's a long, long road To Belfast City And I have built my home Across the Atlantic Sea Can't let go Want to stay connected with The Austin Approach? Be sure to hit the subscribe button. You can also find us online on Facebook and Twitter at Austin Airport, on Instagram at AUS Airport, and on our website at austintexas.gov airport. Got a question or topic you'd like to hear on a future episode? Email us at theaustinapproach at austintexas.gov. But it's a long, long city and I have 
So, Michelle, with everything that we've talked about with spring travel going on uh, and some of the numbers that we're going to be seeing increasing over the next few weeks, it really is a great opportunity to bring in uh, one of our friends from the Transportation uh, Security Administration today to talk about everything. So, uh, Patty, uh, welcome to the Austin Approach. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be with you all. So tell us a little Hi, bit about Patty. yourself. Uh, what, what is what is your job and um, what do you do for the TSA? So uh, my official title is Public Affairs Specialist or Media Spokesperson, and um, I speak on behalf of airports for seven states. So Texas is the largest of, uh, you know, they have the most airports, uh, but I also speak on behalf of airports in Arkansas, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas. So um, it's, you know, a, a little bit busy and uh, sometimes it's uh, intense, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I started my, my career out of college as a high school teacher. And in many ways, I see public affairs as a teaching opportunity because it's really about informing the public, sharing information about our agency that people may not know about. And plus, I get to learn something new every day because there's so much to learn so many facets of what we do and how we work in partnership with our airports. You know, we have a great relationship with the Austin airport and there's always a lot of communication. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a challenge, but um, you know, it's a job I love to do. Well, Patty, delighted to have you with us today. Thanks for taking time out of your, what I can only imagine a busy schedule <laughs> to speak with us today. My pleasure. I love the opportunity to um, talk to the public and really share information in a greater uh, uh, where there's a little bit more time, because usually when you do an interview, it's a quick soundbite and there it goes. So this is an opportunity to really go a little bit more in depth. So I know one thing, um, obviously, looking back over the past year, we know here at Austin Bergstrom, passenger numbers were down more than 60 percent from 2019. And we are going to see probably starting really in the spring, but into the next few months, increases of travelers. But a lot of folks who maybe haven't been to the airport in a while, uh, I know that there has been some changes. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys are really letting folks know right now as far as um, any procedures or policy changes or things that they need to be aware of, especially if they haven't traveled in a while? So we know that a lot of people who used to travel pre-pandemic really haven't been to an airport and the numbers show it. In 2019 at Austin Bergstrom, we had like 8.6 million people. And in 2020, there was like 3.2 million. So like you said, about a 60% uh, decrease in, in numbers, but we're starting to see an uptick. So just a few reminders for folks. First and foremost, a reminder that there is a presidential executive order that was signed in January by President Biden and is still in effect, and it will be until uh, May 11th. So regardless of the state mandate or what's going on in any state, if you go to an airport and go to the uh, TSA security checkpoint, you will be required to wear a mask. If you refuse to do so as a traveler, uh, you can do that, but you will not be allowed into the security checkpoint, which means then you will not be allowed to travel. So it's really important for people to understand that that will be uh, something that's required of you. Additionally, uh, we remind people that there's just a few things they can do to make their travel experience easier. Know what's in your, in your carry-on bag. That's I can't say it enough. 
You know, uh, the most often heard excuse for when people have prohibited items is, oh, I forgot it was in my bag or this is my spouse's bag or my child's bag. And I didn't know there was a gun in it or I didn't know that there was a knife oh in it or a, a stun gun. Oh, believe me. <laughs> and and so it, the, the list goes on and on. So there's what we call prohibited items. And that could be anything from, you know, a large bottle of water because it's 3.4 ounces for liquids to guns. So anything that can be used as a weapon would be considered a prohibited item. Um, and we see a lot of those. So know what's in your bag. Be aware of what you have. Uh, we have a program that people may not know about called TSA Cares. And that's actually a really great program for people who maybe have medical needs, who maybe have a child who's autistic and the they get sensory overload by being at a checkpoint. If you contact us 72 hours before travel through TSA Cares, then we will arrange to help uh, shepherd you through the security uh, process and not have to go through the line like everyone else. However, uh, this is, again, a service for people who may have a disability or who may need special uh, assistance. So please don't abuse it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of information in what you just said there, Patty. It's almost as though you do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I also want to remind everyone that you can help yourself through the process of a TSA checkpoint by the way you pack. If you organize the way you pack your carry-on, that will help you get through security. And then we also have TSA PreCheck. It's a great program for people who are frequent travelers, who want to go through a line that doesn't require them to take off their shoes, remove uh, their electronics from their uh, carry-on bag. There's a, a, a small fee for that, but it, it is good for five years. And the fee is actually to conduct a background check on the individual who is applying for the program. <laughs> I love my pre-check. It is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Uh, going just to to know that you can go in there and you get, you jump to the front, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but you know, Patty, I I do have some questions for you that may be unrelated to everything, but I'm going to ask anyway. First of all, I have to ask. This is spring break time. Yes. We all know there's a little bit of lunacy that happens around March, the March madness thing. So yeah. I, I, I do have a question, which is what is one of the strangest things that somebody has tried to bring through security? Oh, there's so many, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, that's a great question. And it's one that I could spend probably an hour just talking about strange things but we actually had a person who brought a baby shark in formaldehyde. So okay. that's above the liquid limit, first of all. <laughs> exactly, it did exceed the liquid limit. Uh, you know, the formaldehyde is probably another item that would not be allowed on the plane regardless. Um, and then, you know, the shark uh, part of it. So that I was most allowed. <laughs> um, there's been people who bring like live snakes and um, tarantulas, things like that, that are um, so sometimes endangered species that they try to hide on their body. Wow. So, you know, that's always odd. Um, one of my personal favorites is a, a 
brass knuckles that had a lever and you pull them out and it was like two blades that pointed out. So it was like a gnarly weapon that somebody could use. Um, and then one, I really just want to talk about a tip for people who use canes. Sometimes um, people say, well, I'm not going to buy a brand new cane. I'm going to go to find one at a garage sale or someplace because they usually have nice antique looking canes. Lots of the older canes actually have uh, knives or swords hidden in them. So if you do have a cane that's a little antique or maybe someone you know has one, just twist the top. If it comes out, you might find a sword or a knife in there. So make sure you don't take those to the airport because um, you may have to forfeit them. That is crazy. I love that. What a brilliant tip. That is something that would never occur to me is look inside your cane for a sword. If you go to, you know, a garage sale or an antique shop to, to get a cane. Yes. I, I, I bet you there is a, a whole ton of people right now, Patty, checking their kids <laughs> or their parents' kids and saying, what's in here? But yeah, there's all kinds of, of things that we see. And guns is one of the big items that people pay attention to. And, you know, in Austin last year, there were 49 guns that were found in passengers' carry-on bags. Wow. You know, people might think, oh, I can't carry, I can't travel with my gun. Yes, you can. However, you do have to travel the right way with them. Uh, they should be in your checked bag. They need to be in a hardback container, locked and unloaded. And at the time that you go check your bags, you must declare those to the agent, to the ticket agent, and let them know that there's a gun in your carry-on. So it's just really simple, but people continue to bring their guns into um, in their carry-on bags. And so what, if, if, I, if I did have a gun in a, in a carry-on bag, and what happens to it if... I, I can't get it through security mm -hmm. because I haven't followed the process that you have just outlined. What happens? So a couple of things. One is everything stops. So there's a gun. Immediately the checking stops. Uh, the police is, is uh, then called. They come in and they're the ones that actually remove the gun from the carry-on. So if you're a traveler, think about this. Most of us are already rushing to get to the airport Mm -hmm. um, we have a limited amount of time to make our flight. And usually if we're there about an hour before, and by the time we get to security, go to the bathroom, get a coffee, whatever, it's time to board our plane. If you're coming and everything stops and you're waiting for the police to respond, that means you're losing precious time. Sure. You can't, you cannot go on. You, you cannot continue until the issue is resolved. So, the easiest, the, the least thing that might happen is you might miss your flight. You know, that might be the, the smallest of the consequences. But in addition, there's uh, fines that people face, and it could be a fine of up to $2,000 for a first offense for an unloaded weapon and $4,000 for a first offense for a loaded weapon. And then the fines can go up to like $12,000. Best case scenario is you're, you're going to be having a conversation with local law enforcement and probably going to miss your flight. Correct. And, you know, then, of course, there are some cases where people are arrested. And regardless of the gun laws, you must remember that re depending on where you're flying to or from, the gun laws are very different. So say you're flying from Texas where there's open carry and you have your your concealed weapons permit and all that and you're flying to New York 
New York has much stricter gun laws and anybody who, when they find a gun in New York, uh, they will be arrested. So it's not just like I'm in Texas, so therefore my, my Texas gun laws go with me regardless of my state. Still need to make sure you're checking your bag before you're heading to the, the terminal and all of that and making sure that all of those things are clear. Very much so. Now, one thing I do want to talk about that we haven't mentioned, and this is something a little bit off topic, but um, with the travel season coming up and it seems like travelers are returning to the airport, one of the things that TSA is doing is that we are hiring Ooh. Oh, so, yeah. If somebody is interested in working for the federal government, working for TSA, um, they can go to TSA.gov and that's our website. And then there's a search engine there where they can look for employment opportunities or they can go to www.usajobs.gov and look in there to work as a transportation security officer. And there's openings all around the country. So this is a great opportunity for someone who is looking to, you know, try something different. There's great uh, benefits and opportunity for promotion. So depending on the location, that's how the salary will be based because there's a base pay plus a locality pay. And so I encourage anyone who's interested to check it out. That's Very wonderful. Cool. And I will say this, have be, working at an airport is so much fun. I mean, it really is, right? Bryce and I had been talking about this earlier. But speaking of working at airports and and uh, the Austin airport, Patty, do you happen to remember your first flight in to AUS? I do actually. My first flight um, ever was from Austin Ooh. to Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> yeah. Well, I say my first flight ever. I, I was a baby. My my dad was in the military, and I flew from Newport News to San Antonio. But you know that was uh, I that doesn't count. I was that a baby. Did you come back a winner? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <I don't think. laughs> so that was a while ago. But yes, that was my very first, and and it was the old um, Austin Airport. Oh, at Mueller. Okay. Yes, before oh, wow. the model and all the nice fancy terminals and parking and everything else. You are our second guest whose first flight out of Austin was actually uh, Mueller. And we've only had two guests. <laughs> <laughs> you probably need to get younger guests, I guess. <laughs> not, at all, not at all. I think it's awesome. I, I was never, I never saw or was a part of that airport at all. So I think it's, it's brilliant when we have people that uh, tell us that their first flight into or out of Austin was to Mueller. Yeah, I think one of the best things about airports, TSA, and uh, information gathering is that there's so many benefits that people can enjoy. And a lot of it really just has to do with um, knowing who to ask. So I'd like to segue into something else, and that's Ask TSA. So I was just about to mention that because I love it. <laughs> Yes. So Ask TSA is really a, a great resource for people who maybe don't know quite who to ask or they think something is the case. We're on Twitter and you submit your question and we actually have transportation security officers, people who man the airports, respond to the questions. So you'll usually get a, a response in less than 24 hours 
And it's really a great way for you to just confirm information or get the right information. You know, because sometimes people say, I don't want to go look online. I don't want to do a search, whatever. So Ask TSA is a great resource. And, you know, one of the things that I, I learned from Ask TSA, a, a great little example of something. So people always talk about liquids and limits and all that. Um, when it comes to the food that you can bring um, in your carry-on, an avocado is a great example of a solid food that you can bring. However, once it turns into guacamole, you can bring 3.4 ounces. Oh, my goodness. Behave yourself right now. <laughs> and the reason for that, yes, the reason for that yeah. is that if you can spill it, spread it, or pour it, it's 3.4 ounces. So uh, one more question I know uh, with folks right now with everything with the pandemic still going on uh, that I think folks have asked about before, hand sanitizer. I know there were some rule changes <laughs> on that. Is that still in effect? Yes. Great question. So we want to inform everyone that, you know, although there, there are limits to liquids and like I mentioned before, if you can pour it, spill it uh, or spread it, 3.4 ounces. However, during the pandemic, uh, we've increased the amount of hand sanitizer that someone can bring, and that's to a bottle of 12 ounces. So each person can bring a 12 ounce bottle of hand sanitizer with them. And there's no limit on on wipes you know, any type of alcohol wipes or, or, or bleach wipes that people want to bring with them, there's absolutely no limit as much as you can carry, you know? So it, it, it really is important for people to remember that there's things you can do to make your flight more pleasant. And, um, it's just the, the key for us is that you know what that, what that is. So visit our website, tsa.gov, go, go follow us on Twitter. Um, I post daily on Twitter at TSA underscore Southwest. And I usually post the number of travelers that, that go out uh, the day before any type of prohibited items. I'm, I'm getting ready to post some stuff for Austin today. Um, oh. You know, <laughs> guns and other things that are usually <laughs> found. Um, and then just other type of tips and information that people can use. You know, like I immediately posted about the need to wear a mask regardless of what's going on with the state and whether uh, COVID restrictions have been relaxed. People wonder because yeah. obviously that's something that um, might confuse someone. So those are the type of information and tips that people can find. But one tip I do want to give everybody, if you're ever looking for information, make sure that the website you go to, if it's a government website, if it's federal, that it ends in .gov. What Good we find know. is that um, I recently, just this week, spoke with someone who applied, wanted to apply for TSA pre-check. And I told him, you know, the fee is $85 and, and that's for the background check and all this. So then he calls me back and says, hey, wait a minute, they were charging me $325. And I said, well, where did you apply? So he's, he's showing me the, he's, he tells me the website and I said, oh, that's a for pay website. So what happens is um, people will be able to process the information for you or the application and then submit it to TSA or submit it to a qualified vendor. And there's a fee for that. So make sure that when you're submitting applications, getting information, the website that you're getting your information from ends in .gov. 
And that's for all federal government websites. Good to know. That's some good information. I know and it's not that complicated of a process. I haven't done that one particularly. Um, Michelle, you said you've done pre-check. That's it's not too difficult. No, it's it's not difficult at all. It's just a case of filling in your paperwork and getting your photograph taken and going on down there and paying the fee. And it, it is honestly, it's worth every penny. I, I've, I have pre-checked for my children as well. Uh, I mean, just it's it's it is worth it because you're right. Patty, people procrastinate, they misjudge traffic, whatever, you know, whatever it's going to be. And especially when you've got kiddos and laptops and, oh my goodness, just all kinds of things to be able to go in through pre-check. You just feel much better about your travel experience. You really do. It's a great service. So Patty, have you ever been to Ireland? I have not, unfortunately. The closest I got was, uh, I guess, Stratford-upon-Avon. Oh, Uh, nice. (laughs) But uh, no, that's one of my, my, on my list. And I, I noticed, I, I wanted to ask, but I said, well. <laughs> well, shame, shame, Patty, for not having to go to Ireland. Because my question, my next question is, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Mm-hmm. Do you see any trends at TSA related to St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> As a reminder, there's lots of celebrations going on. You know, recently we had Mardi Gras and uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up and people like to enjoy their adult beverages Um, it's perfectly fine to do so. But when you come to the checkpoint, we remind you that you must be lucid. You must be able to, um, you know, go through the process and, and have your, your, um, identity confirmed, be able to stand on your own, be able to take off your shoes, et cetera. So we ask that please be aware of that, um, when you're consuming adult beverages during your celebrations. Absolutely. Remain coherent. Yes, please. <laughs> Until you get to your destination. <laughs> then that's up to you. <laughs> you know, I think the the one thing I would like to end our segment with is that we're still in a time of pandemic and COVID. This has been so much fun. But the final reminder that I really want to leave uh, the listeners with is if you're feeling ill or if you have any symptoms, please don't travel. Absolutely. Because that keeps not just your fellow travelers safe, but all of those essential frontline workers, the TSA staff, all those folks who do have to be at the terminal every single day, uh, regardless of how many passengers are going through. So that's always an important reminder. Patty, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us today. You have been a fountain of tips, tricks, ideas, and how-tos, as well as resources, which is fantastic. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to reiterate what you said about the hiring, which is if you are interested in a position with TSA to go to tsa.gov or www.usajobs.gov. And again, a reminder for folks, if you do have questions about what you can pack, uh, the TSA website is a great resource as well as their Ask TSA. It's a Twitter account. Yes, we have it on Twitter and it's also on Instagram. Awesome. So yeah, you can just go right online on social media and ask them, hey, I've got a fly rod. Is that something I can bring in my carry-on or check luggage? I may have asked that one before. Well, again, Patty, thank you so much for joining us. And we had a blast talking to you today. I hope if you choose to travel over spring break and uh, that you do so safely. And I also hope that you have a magnificent St. Patty's Day and put Ireland on your checklist for next year. Absolutely. And I had so much fun talking to you all. 
please have me back whenever. And uh, thank you for being a great partner with TSA and for uh, really keeping up a great airport in Austin. Awesome. Thanks, Patty. I would love it if my next flight out of here was going to be to Hawaii. As we're talking about islands and the island of Ireland, how about Hawaii? Have you ever been? I have been to Hawaii once about, oh God, oh, I'm so old now, more than 10 years ago. So it's been a while. I went to Kauai um, back when I was stationed in Japan, uh, came through Seattle and flew back out to Kauai. It was, it was a very long flight um doing it that way so yeah i'm very excited for uh hawaiian airlines who is going to be beginning service here in austin on april 22nd non-stop from austin to honolulu it's a very quick flight leaves at 10 in the morning arrives in the afternoon uh should be a fantastic time so how long is that flight bryce so it's a real convenient flight. Uh, it's going to depart Austin at 10, 10 in the morning, and it arrives in Honolulu at 1.30 p.m. So you can leave in the morning after breakfast, get there uh, right mid-afternoon. Sun's still up. Beaches are open. Uh, you can get ready and already start your day. Uh, that is fantastic because then you can just get off your airplane, book yourself into Luau, and you could be at a Luau that night. Exactly. <laughs> So you, you said you've been to Hawaii before. What's your favorite part about going there? Everything. Can I just say I love going. It's the island breeze. It's the it's, it's the culture. It's the food. Uh, the real just chilled out. You step off um, onto the once you're at the tarmac and you go right. I'm here because it is a long flight, regardless of where you're coming from. Eight hours, seven, six, seven hours is still a long time. However, when you just get off there and you, you get your bag and you're walking towards if you're going to rent a car, wherever you're going to go. And it's cool because at that airport, the, 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 the walkway is outside. Oh, So you see the palm trees. Do you remember that, Bryce? I don't know if that's a new thing. or. So we flew directly to Kauai. And that's one of the things that's um, one of my favorite parts about going over there is there, there are several islands. So there's so many destinations that you can see once you get there. It's kind of like Texas is big and it's not, if you land in Austin, you can explore out into the hill country or and do all it's same thing there. Landing in Honolulu opens up really a gateway to so many other islands and opportunities there. I, I haven't been to Honolulu or any of the other islands other than Kauai. So I'm excited to see what is available out there because I've just had that one experience. Yes. I've actually been to Honolulu three times and one of those times was my 30th birthday where my husband and I, we took a quick flight onto the big island. What an amazing journey that was. I spent my 30th birthday hiking uh, up along the volcano uh, while it was erupting just by the by the coast there. That was phenomenal experience and a little bit freaky, a little bit Jurassic-y because you had like the sulfur coming up and, and hitting you and you would be like, it smells like it's on fire around here, which, oh, wait a minute, it kind of was. Uh, but yeah, we we went to um, like the Rainbow Falls where you just see this beautiful uh, uh, waterfall and the way the, the light shines on it, it gives you this rainbow all of the pretty much all of the time, almost from every angle. We went to the macadamia nut factory, went to the wildflower. I mean, there's just so much to see. Uh, it, it was certainly wasn't enough for one day. We flew in and one out, uh, flew in and out in one day. But I'm I'm here to tell you, it wasn't that expensive. Once you fly into Honolulu. Uh, you you're pretty much you have the islands at your disposal. Yeah, it's it was a fantastic trip. Like I said, I've only been to that one island, and it's memories that um, it's 
you go to somewhere like Kauai and it's where they film all sorts of movies because it's so breathtaking. Like we hiked along the top of a ridgeline, which is the giant mountains in the beginning of Jurassic Park when they're flying in with the helicopters. That's like you're looking down on all that coastline and it's just breathtaking. There's giant canyons and um, like we went kayaking up a river that was also where they filmed um, one of the Indiana Jones movies when he's being chased and dives in and swims out to his, the airplane and flies off. Love it, Indiana Jones. I kayaked on that river and went to this amazing waterfall and like the whole the whole aisle, the the whole experience was just fantastic and I can't wait to get back. So obviously you love Hawaii, I love Hawaii. Uh, we're both excited to get on a plane out there as soon as we can. Um, but don't. Just listen to us. We've got a special guest who's just going to see us out today, who's going to tell a little bit more um, from a local perspective about what makes uh, planning a trip out there such a great idea. So anyways, that concludes this episode of The Austin Approach. Once again, I am Bryce. And I'm Michelle. Thank you for listening. Aloha, Kako. My name is Kimberly Ashley, and I have proudly served as a Hawaiian Airlines flight attendant for five years. Well, Holly Eva Oahu is my home today, Austin, Texas, where I was born and raised, will always have my heart. That's why I'm personally thrilled to welcoming Texas travelers with Austin's first nonstop service to Honolulu. I know many of you are already planning your next Hawaiian vacation, so let me offer some kokua or help by sharing some tips and favorite things to do on Oahu. Shop and eat local. Local shops and restaurants are among the hardest hit during the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's their products, services, and aloha that make Hawaii so unique. Head bakery for lunch, leilei's for dinner, malasadas for a sweet treat at Leonard's, and poke bowls of Foodland are among my favorites. Visit places like Haunama Bay. Go for a family-friendly hike at Diamond Head State Monument. Makapu'u Lighthouse, offering unforgettable views as well as the Pali Lookout. We ask for your kokua to please help us protect the health of our island communities during the COVID-19 pandemic. So please remember to social distance and wear a mask in public places, even when you're walking around Waikiki. Mahalo nui loa. I look forward to seeing my fellow Texans on board our aircraft. Aloha. The Austin Approach is the official podcast of Austin Bergstrom International Airport and the City of Austin's Department of Aviation. Our theme music is produced by Michael Pinnock, the AUS Music Program Coordinator. Thanks for listening.